millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And we've got the usual busy show looking ahead to the first test between England and New Zealand, which gets underway at Lords on Thursday, and hearing from both Brendan McCullum and Stuart Broad ahead of uh, a new era for the test side. We'll also speak to Black Caps fast bowler Matt Henry to get the latest from their camp. And we'll reflect on the ongoing ODI series between the Netherlands and the West Indies, which is live here on TalkSport 2. So plenty to come over the next hour or so. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. And without further ado, let's get uh, straight into um, the interview that uh, our boss, John Norman, did with Brendan McCullum. But spoiler alert, first of all, Harmy, anybody that, I mean, I've been guilty of describing Brendan McCullum as the rock star choice, but anybody that was expecting him to be table thumping and, and rah-rah, uh, whiz-bang, as uh, Gareth Buddy would say, well, might be in for a surprise um, because he's, he's actually, and he comes across in this interview, which we'll hear in a few seconds, he comes across as, as really very considered um, and quite the opposite of the rock star doesn't he more of a bank account really yeah he does he's he obviously he gets the rock star because of the way he played his cricket um but i think if you listen to him on commentary his commentary was excellent uh very knowledgeable uh very thorough excellent making a point very articulate when he when he speaks so from that point of view the more and more i i, I see this appointment manners and the more and more i like it i've never been one a huge one for in-depth coaching at the top level of, of, of international cricket. I think you've got to have somebody that's going to have respect, set an environment, and yeah, have a little bit of authority. But try and make the players feel good about themselves because the reason you've been picked for England is because you've got, you're very, very good. And I think if you've got somebody that demands respect and has a, a level of aura about him, because I think Brendan has that, then I think that will help the environment 
in the dressing room, which hopefully will transfer to the players playing as, as freely as they possibly can. Right. On that note, let's hear from uh, a very considered and some might say muted, um, but uh, very thoughtful Brendan McCullum. As a player, you're known as a gung-ho, swashbuckling kind of, kind of player, uh, batsman, captain. But I remember you saying that your favourite player on that side was BJ Watling, <laughs> who was a very different style of player. So what from that can we take about the kind of player that you are going to identify as being successful for England? Well, firstly, it's nice to talk to you guys. Um, look, I think you need a mix of various types of players. I think you need the Cavalier types of players who are prepared to you know, shelve off all responsibility and go out there and take the opposition on. And then you also need those touch kind of craft players who who understand their role and try and knit together um, some of those stroke makers. And I think fundamentally, and something that I know the skipper has talked about, is he wants tough creators, guys who, who aren't going to make things easy for the opposition, who are going to be, you know, put in the extra yard for their team and, and to go a little bit towards the, the hurt locker um, physically when, when the game's on the line as well. And they're the types of creators, and that's what a BJ Watling was for us as, as a New Zealand player. And sure there's plenty of those guys amongst the English setup that we can identify and, and give some opportunities to. Listening to Rob Key and also to Andrew Strauss, apparently you smashed the interview. You went in there, you had a clarity of thought, you told them exactly what you thought and uh, really impressed them. So can you give us an idea about how you see the next three or four years panning out? How do you see your, your job going in terms of taking England from where they are now to hopefully going up the table? Yeah, obviously, um, you know, interview process is, is always an interesting thing because you're you, I think you can try and say things that, that you want people to hear or you just be authentic and you know, I like to think I'm a, an authentic person who I've got strong beliefs about how I like the game to be played or, or how I like to see the game played um, but also have strong beliefs around how to manage a group and that's to try and get the best out of individuals and I don't think talent's a problem amongst English cricket. I think there's an immense amount of talent which sits not just in the side now but also uh, on the periphery of the side. To me it's just about freeing up some of that talent um, mindset-wise, to be able to go out there and become the best versions of themselves, and that's what my job is as as a leader and as a coach. That'll be certainly what I'm trying to do: is, is give these guys the most amount of freedom, try and block out some of the external noise, and to go out there and play a good, positive brand of cricket. I'm not sure if you know the football kind of uh, analogy, but there's managers who are described as heading every ball and kicking every ball. <laughs> I, I take it you're not going to be that kind of coach. You're not going to be on the balcony doing that. You're going to be at the back of the room, maybe throwing a ball against the wall and waiting for the players to come in. Is it about taking the pressure off of these England uh, players, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think that seems to be the common theme, which um, you know, when you ask questions of guys in and around the group or who have been around the environment for a while, is that they need to take some pressure off, give themselves a chance to just be the best versions that they can. My style is, you're right, it's not, it's not like uh, sort of hitting, hitting all the balls or, or um, from a cricket point of view, um, having to get in there with uh, with the technical side of throwing and and hitting and things like that. That's not really the way I am. I I, co- I don't coach technical. I understand technique if there's something glaringly obvious. But to me, I more coach tactics and and also um, I think I'm probably a bit more of a man manager who likes to try and take some of that pressure off guys. And last question for me: You talk about man management um, and you talk about leaders within the, the dressing room. Have you either spoken to or identified? Uh, some of those key individuals that are part of the England squad as ones that uh, that you've either spoken to, just to get a bit of intel yourself, um, and who are going to be the ones that you're going to be standing alongside in terms of taking this England team forward? Yeah, I've had brief conversations with all the guys. Obviously, I <clears throat> had to ring them to let them know that they're inside, so that was a nice job that I was given. So that was, uh, that was a nice way to start. But a lot of the guys already know from, from previous times as a player or 
been around franchise cricket as well. Um, look, there's some leaders amongst that group which are easily identifiable. Um, there's also some guys who we would expect will emerge into leaders over time as well once you get to know their, their real sort of characteristics and, and how they how they are as, as people. So, look, that's one of the jobs is to build a layer of leadership around um, our captain who is obviously a strong leader himself and will be um, a real sort of follow me type of leader. If we can build some leaders around that, then you're able to get your messaging to go across the entire group. That's the New England men's test coach, Brendan McCullum. And, and I think a lot of people will be very encouraged by that, Harmy. I know you spoke about this last week, um, about the selection, the composition of the starting 11 um, on Thursday. It does sound, um, from everything that we've seen and heard, as though it might be a straight choice uh, between Overton and Broad. Is that the way you're seeing it? It seems to be. Um, and if that's the case, unfortunately for Broad, there's probably only one winner because as much as I want to look at being as positive as I possibly can, in the last 17 test matches, England have only won once and we haven't got 250 many, many times. So from that point of view, we're probably looking at our third seamer being sort of competent with the bat and Overton would would get in. I wouldn't pick that, I must admit. I'd pick Broad. I'd pick Broad, I'd pick Potts. And I'd basically have, yeah, Brendan McCullum wants to come in and say, right, responsibility with you lads at the top seven, you go and score some runs and these lads will take 20 wickets. And if it means we have, unfortunately, if you went down that road with Potts, Broad, Anderson, Leach as the the four bowlers and Stokes as number, obviously the all-rounder as number six, you are basically playing with four number tens. Probably Jack Leach batting at number eight. That's that would be a concern. So I'd imagine that would be in the factor of, of selection. And I think if it is between Broad and Overton, then Overton might get the nod. There's a little bit of rain around. And if we get some cloud cover that comes over, could look leaving Stuart Broad out. So for me, I would go with Broad. Always have done. I try not to have the Broad and Anderson comparison together because they're individual people, uh, individual players, and greats at that. Um, and I think Stuart Broad's still got a lot to give. So for me, I would go with Broad. But I think if it is a straight shootout between Broad and Overton, I think Overton might win because of obviously the his ability to bat. Surely, if we're talking about a brave new world army, we shouldn't be worrying about who scores runs at eight and nine. I hope not. I really hope not. I really hope I'm wrong at that front. You know, to go in with sort of, you know, having, but not sort of being a bit conservative and looking at trying to get every ounce of runs that we could possibly get out of the squad because of our frailties of our top order. If that's the case, we shouldn't have picked the team that we picked because a lot of these players are been in that situation of one win from 17 and being bowled out for less than 200 on on quite a few occasions so I think if you're if you are if you're having this sort of brave and new bowl world we might have had a different squad Harry Brook would definitely be playing there'd be no question that young Potts would play and you're probably looking at Matt Parkinson being our spinner so if you're going down the the brave new world manners that that might have been the composition of the squad but unfortunately we've gone back to the same old same old um, who have, let's look after them a little bit because of the world that we've lived in and the COVID situation that we've had. Ing, nobody's played more cricket than England. England have trolled all over the world to go and play and keep the game of cricket going. These are the players that have done that. Um, so part of us thinks, right, good on you for selecting this group and saying, right, it's a new new dawn, new chance. You were our best players 18 months ago. You have had it hard. 
you've had it tough. It's been difficult mentally, physically, and obviously on the pitch as well. But we're going to go with we're, we're going with this new world. We're going to give you the first choice, first shot, um, and it's up to you to to prove 18 months ago why you got selected. But that always comes down to, and it's always the same question in any selection meeting: that number eight spot. Can that un- number eight spot get me 20, 30, 40, even more 50 runs? more than their number eight, because that could be the difference between the team going from 350 to 450 or 400 if they're in with an in-batsman, as opposed to getting bowled out for, for sort of 250, 275 and always chasing a game. OK, there's two questions I want to ask you after we hear from Johnny Bairstow. Um, Ollie Robinson seems to have uh, a real fitness jinx at the moment, more recurring back problems, and now he's contracted COVID. And also I wanted to ask you about Moen Ali saying that he would uh, be prepared or at least consider coming out of test retirement. Um, he seems to have been inspired by the appointment of Brendan McCullum. But let's hear from Johnny Bairstow now on the eve of the test match. Brendan McCullum, obviously big news as well as Ben Stokes. If we can start with Brendan McCullum first, a player that you've come up against many times but never actually played alongside. Is he When, you, when you're on the field and you're coming up against a guy like him, do you kind of have you ever felt? Oh, I wish he was on my side, and now he is. You're actually quite pleased about it. I think that you could ask that to quite a lot of people around the world at times, uh, with the uh, innings that he's he's played throughout his career. And I'm not too sure there've been many that would say no. They didn't wish that he was on his side. So, yeah, look, it's uh, it's really exciting, isn't it? Um, like you mentioned, everyone wants to to be on on that side because there's a there's an intrigue um, of the the brilliance that he showed as a as a player um, multiple times, but also the experiences of him then transitioning into coaching and how he's gone about that. Um, so, yeah, of course, it's, it's, it's going to be great. But like I say, it's, it's intriguing as to um, how everyone moulds into, into those bits. I mean, when you think about a partnership with Brendan McCullough and Ben Stokes, you think, wow, you know, first day of the first test is just going to be, you know, crazy. But of course, going to be a bit of time, isn't there? We can't expect things to turn around quite that quickly. Absolutely. And you've hit the nail on the head. Um, there's going to be a slight transition period. There's different styles of play. There's there's lots of different things that that come into the mix. So the patience of the the patience of the excitement is is going to be something that it's it's a bit of a double-edged sword when you say that. But it's going to happen. We've seen many different teams over many different years, whether that be in football, rugby, cricket. Uh, transitions happen. Things might go really well at the start, and then there's always a slight slight dip off and then it comes back and so it's ebbs and flows but that's sport that's that's sport that's business that's everything that's life and at the same time if the excitement's there which we all know it is uh, you can see how many people have been speaking about like the partnership that you mentioned um, then there's no reason why it can't be successful you're almost sounding a bit profound there I mean wise words your experienced part of the team of course there's been no vice captain named for the series so far is it I mean, your partnership with Ben is, is very famous on the field. Is that something, you know, if it was offered, you'd be interested in? Oh, look, <laughs> first and foremost, I think just getting through, getting to the, the morning of the first game, I don't think that needs to necessarily be even named like public yet. I don't think that there could. there's another the 10 blokes on there that have to step up and take responsibility uh, at any moment out on, the, out on the field, not just Ben. So, look, it's, it's, a, it's a title, isn't it? It's, it's something that if you're stepping up, um, on the field individually and everything like that and helping on the field as much as you can then uh, like I mentioned there's another 10 guys that, that should be contributing and leading in their own individual way 
look, you played in the IPL, you played in World Cup finals, you played for England, yep. pretty much done it, but is there still anything better than walking down those steps behind you, hearing the studs running out onto the turf and going to play for England at Lords? No, absolutely not. Um, I was fortunate enough to make my debut here at... Um, against the West Indies and that was that was a special day and I'm, each time I've been fortunate enough to do it um, and come back here and play at Lords it's, it's an even more special day so look Thursday's all set to be a, an absolute cracker I'm sure that the people that are coming are going to have a fantastic day I'm sure the people that are watching on TV um, will have a, a really good day too and all the families and all the kids obviously on, on half term um, will uh, will no doubt be enjoying it as well Wonderful to hear Johnny Bairstow talking about uh, the. there's no better feeling than uh, walking out to represent your country at Lords. So uh, good luck to him in his new spot, another new spot at number five. Just quickly then, um, Ollie Robinson does seem to be jinxed at the moment, but I suspect you want to talk more about Moen Ali saying that he's prepared to come back to Test cricket. Yeah, um, uh, I feel sorry for, for Ollie Robinson. I've, I've given him a kick in, in recent past because of his, you know, his fitness and what perceives to be somebody who really sort of struggles to to get himself, he is in a position to be physically fit, but it's horrible when bowlers get injured and all of them that are out at the minute, It's you feel for them. I know what it's like and to constantly trying to come back. Um, so I feel for Ollie Robinson because when people question your fitness, it's horrible. It's not a very nice thing and all you want to do is pro- not prove them right because you've got nothing to prove them right for uh, or about. You've just got to get out there and bowl as much as you possibly can and, and get the sort of doubters and you know the people that make noise like me off their back because of um, he can go out and bowl and unfortunately the backs come the COVID's come so hopefully he gets back on the field for Sussex quickly um, and he'll get fit by, by by bowling a lot. Moen as much as I love Moen I really want Moen to come I, I would really want Moen to come back into the group into the team but what's the reasons for coming back? You know, I sat on the BT studios with Moen over Christmas and he, he told the world, he didn't just, it wasn't off there, he told the world on air that it, 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 he'd had enough of Test cricket. He's more or less said he had fallen out of love with Test cricket and what I would want to know why he would want to be coming back or what's the reasons behind the motivations of coming back because yeah, it's all well and good saying, yes, it's a new dawn, but once you've played two Test matches and the treadmill starts again of the amount of cricket that you played and the pressure that he becomes under, would he have come back for the wrong reasons? So hopefully... Yeah, if he does come back, it'll be great because he's an exciting cricketer, fantastic cricketer. But I just wonder what's changed in the mentality of Mo and Ali that he thinks. I think it'll be a good thing now for me to come back and play Test match cricket. If it's good, if it's if it's a, a burning desire to to sort of right, I've had a break. I've realised I miss Test cricket. I want to play Test cricket, and my heart's in it. Then great, we'll. You know, I'm sure everybody would want him back. But if it's not for the right reasons, if it's the reasons and he he, he he gets himself down again and disappointed and because of the amount of cricket that he's having to play and if the love goes again, that would be, be counterproductive, unfortunately, for Moen and his career. Right, that may be something that we speak about again on a number of occasions in the weeks ahead. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Right, um, let's hear now from New Zealand fast bowler Matt Henry. I caught up with him just before their match this week against the County Select 11, and we began by discussing the importance and the rarity of playing two warm-up games ahead of this week's first test. 
being able to come over here a little bit earlier to get that time in the legs and that time in the field is, is great preparation for us anyway. And um, yeah, it was a great, even though it was rain affected, uh, we still managed to get a lot out of it. Our batters got to hit some balls and, and then the bowlers got the loads in as well as spending the whole day in the, the park yesterday. Competition for places is uh, is something that's rampant in the New Zealand squad at the moment, not only amongst the batters, but uh, amongst the fast bowlers as well. And it's only a couple of tests ago that you took seven for 23 and, uh, well, you didn't beat South Africa single-handedly, but uh, it, was a, it was a highly impressive performance. So everyone pushing for places again? Oh, I think we've got a healthy balance in our squad. Um, I mean, it's always good when you have that competition and we're always... Um, just trying to get better as, as a group and as a players. And, um, yeah, I think the key thing is not to get too carried away with selection or those things that we can't control. It's actually about putting together how we're going to put a win together, especially over here in a three-match three test series. Matt, with New Zealand having beaten England last summer and, and you know, given world rankings, and do you think it's um, a stretch to say that New Zealand starting this series is favourites? Oh, look, I, I think, I suppose that's, that's your job to say those things. We don't uh, tend to put too much emphasis on on those types of, uh, I suppose, uh, scenarios. We just like to come here. We know that it's always a challenge here to play England, especially England are always strong in their own conditions. And um, we know that this will be no different coming to this, uh, this, test, to this test series. So we're looking forward to that challenge. And, um, yeah, terms favourites or, or not, it, it doesn't really... Uh, mean much, especially when you get into that first test match. Obviously, England have uh, had their struggles, haven't they? Um, uh, you know, in in recent times, and and uh, obviously you're aware of that. And um, and Joe Root's no longer the captain. Ben Stokes has uh, has taken over. There's been all sorts of change in the administration, um, and it's a team, fair to say, uh, that's trying to rediscover itself. Do you try and widen those divisions and? Um, and, uh, and and try and take advantage of them? When you come to England, you expect a, a strong English side and, and we know that Ben Stokes will be a great leader and we know that that English side will be um, yeah, very strong. We're looking through this and some great players um, have, I suppose, why some of these guys have been selected um, in this test squad. So um, we're no illusion that it's going to be a, a, a great test series and um, yeah, I, I think uh, the addition of uh, Brendan as, as a head coach, I think he'll do a fantastic job too. So, no, we're looking forward to it. Matt, we know that Kiwis don't do heroes much, uh, certainly not in terms of sport. Um, you'd like to downplay everything. But there is a popular narrative that Brendan McCullum was a semi-messianic figure that led New Zealand cricket from the doldrums to the promised land. And, you know, he does have a, a remarkable record. Is it expecting too much for him to do something similar for England? Oh, uh, not at all. I think um, I can only really speak for the, the, the time that I spent underneath his, lead, underneath his leadership. And he was a fantastic captain that, and he did some amazing things for New Zealand cricket over such a long period of time as a leader um, and captain and player. And uh, yeah, I, I think he'll do a fantastic job for England. He's, his strength is people and, and, he managed to build up a lot of confidence in a group. So, yeah, I'm sure he'll do a fantastic job for England. Were you surprised? I know that he didn't apply for the job. I mean, he was approached. But were you surprised at all that he accepted it? Oh, I mean, um, I think it's an exciting opportunity for for Brendan. And I think the fact that uh, as a coach, I think this is a, 
a great opportunity and, and something that I'm sure he'll look forward to. So, yeah, looking forward to obviously starting the Test Series and, and, and seeing how it all goes. What about the recall of uh, Jimmy Anderson, age of 40, and, and Stuart Broad? Uh, you would have been aware of the, of the controversy, obviously, when they were left out of the Tour of the Caribbean. I guess everybody must have respect for what they've done. Oh, oh, massively as a fast bowler. I've looked up to both uh, Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad, and they've been fantastic bowlers for England and, and world cricket for such a long time. So, yeah, I, I mean, they're still at the top of their game and and you wouldn't expect anything less. They're, they're, they're bowling really well. So um, as far as the tour is concerned, they've got the three test matches um, and then you've got... Uh, Six games in Ireland coming up as well. I think the ODIs are part of the uh, World Cup Super League. So it's um, it's a long old trip, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant, really. I think coming over here and, and what is our winter and be able to play a three-test match series here is really exciting. We've uh, only had two in the past two series we've had here, so to have three is great. And then to follow that on with an Ireland series, um, then Scotland and Netherlands is... I think it's great. I think everyone's really looking forward to to what's to come over this winter, and, and having that amount of cricket is is really good building into a into a World Cup uh, year and T Twenty, and then the ODI following as well. So I think it's really good for New Zealand cricket to be able to get a lot of players some experience over our winter. And Matt, just coming back to the Test series, if I may, um, where do you see the the team's relative strengths? And I won't use the term weaknesses, but um, do, do you see it as um, New Zealand's fast bowlers up against England's batsmen that, that could be the, the key battle? I think if you look across um, all of the the um, uh, like batting and the bowling, I think there's great battles within both. I think uh, England have some real experience and, and quality in that batting lineup, and as do New Zealand. And, and same thing in the, the bowling front, we've got had a bowling group that's been together for a long time now that has that's played a lot of good cricket and which is which is in the same case as uh, England so yeah there'll be many battles that will probably as, as you, you'd like to look at but um, as a collective I think we're just looking forward to playing some really strong test cricket and and we're just looking forward to that first test match. And finally I think there is a consensus of opinion that uh, this is in terms of depth and, and all-round ability um, probably the best New Zealand squad of all time. Um, I won't ask you to comment on that, but I mean, does it feel very special to, to be a part of this group? Yeah, definitely. I, I think yeah, when, when you come and get involved in a, a group like this, I think it was about well, 2015, I made my test debut and it's been quite a, a similar side right the way through. And then the people that have been joining over the years have been putting their hands up and, and playing some really strong cricket as well. So it's a, uh, Definitely, um, yeah, it's it's a, a great honour and a feeling to be a part of a team that's that's having some success. But we know that the the key to our game is just to keep growing and learning and and developing. And especially coming into different conditions, we know how tough it is to beat teams at home. And I, I think that's probably the challenge of modern day cricket is to win away from your own home conditions. And finally, England have got half a dozen of their best fast bowlers out injured at the moment, all at the same time. You've obviously had your problems as well earlier on in, in your career. Is it just part and parcel of the journey? Or uh, I mean, is there a reason that fast bowlers are going down so in such heaps at the moment? Yeah, it is tough, isn't it? I think that's the nature of the beast of being a fast bowler. And 
Um, it's not nice when you, you come up with injuries and there's, there's obviously England's having its fair share at the moment, which is um, not what you want to see. And whether there's any uh, reason why it's happening or it's just uh, unlucky timing, really. But yeah, you definitely wish, especially being a fellow fast bowler, that's you've gone through your own share injuries and, and whatnot. You just hopefully that they can get on the park uh, as soon as possible, really. Matt, thank you very much indeed for your time and um, have a fantastic tour. And um, and good luck cracking that starting eleven. That's going to be your hardest job, I reckon. <laughs> hey, thanks very much. I appreciate your time, guys. That was uh, Black Caps fast bowler Matt Henry talking to me uh, a couple of days ago. Loads of questions for you, Harmy. I mean, he spoke very well indeed. The first game against uh, Sussex, I think four or five players retired out when they got to fifty. Um, and it was uh, just a, a pretty good workout. I mean, everybody bowled some overs. Everybody seemed to, to score some runs. But then they got turned over by the county select 11 this week. At one stage, they were they were nine for five in their second innings. Does it matter anymore? I mean, you know, in, for m- much of my career, I, the first thing I'd be asking you is, oh, how, how much of a dent in confidence is that? But the world's just changed in the last two years. Does it matter? No, I don't think it really does matter. Um, I've just spent, well, I've just spent the best part of this winter sitting with, in various uh, different studios, broadcasting booths and alcohol establishments with Mark Butcher, who was the worst worst player in the world. Um, he didn't even play sometimes in tour of matches. He wasn't interested. He, he asked Butch, he's not interested. No, just what happens in a test match? As long as you have a few good nets, hitting the ball nicely, you go out and play. And I think... In my time, that was a little bit of a, a rarity of a of mindset because everybody wanted time in the middle, spending out there. Now, you're right, I don't think it does matter. I think because of the amount of cricket they play and how they, they sort of bounce between country to country and, and play a little series here and triangular series there and the white ball stuff or you know, the franchise stuff, these guys just pick up a bat, go out and play. And the one thing I will say about England is England's obviously completely different. The ball's different. The atmosphere's different. The pitches are, tend to do that a little bit more. Um, and I think New Zealand have had what looks as though a little bit of a struggle in preparation, whether it's getting players on the field because they've had a bout of COVID. The weather's been a bit a little bit iffy as well down in the south coast. So that might matter when it comes to sort of timings. But you look at some of the players, they've all had a 50 on this on this trip so far, whether it be at Sussex or against the County's 11 at Chelmsford. The surprising thing for me is always when a batsman retires out at 50. It's like, why, why retire out at 50? Just shows you how condensed mindsets are because it used to be 100 or, you know, sometimes even more. You know, when you when you start retiring people out at 50, you know, you, I, I sometimes think you run the risk of, you know, well, 50 is enough when it comes to the test match. When I get to 50, is it enough? It's never enough. 50 is never enough. You, know, you want to get three figures. You want to go beyond to get a big score for your team. So just that mindset change. But I think New Zealand will be ready. And, you know, they've got a good challenge. They've got a, a really good challenge from the first class counties, 11 and chasing two, 265 on the, on the final day. It just showed you that you know, some of our boys, some of our younger players are in, are in a bit of form and good on Ben Compton for getting 120. Yes, exactly. And a thousand runs um, before, before they, the they, end of the They don't May. count though, Manners, do they? I they, know. That wasn't counting as first class, which is a, a real shame. Ridiculous. 
Yeah, I can't believe ridiculous. it. Okay, um, just in so in 30 seconds then, or whatever, um, Kane Williamson, just one innings before the first test match. Again, in, in you know, decades gone by, we'd be saying, oh, the Kiwi captain's undercooked. Mm. But no one's undercooked these days, whether they're microwave, boiled or fried or, or, or baked in the oven. No, nobody's undercooked these days. And it's Kane Williamson, so it doesn't matter, does it? And Trent Bolt looks like he might miss the first test. How big a miss will that be? I think that's a huge miss. It's a good bit of uh, luck for England that no Trent Bolt. So it'll be, well, it'll be Jameson, Saudi, Wagner, um, which is still a very, very good bowling attack. Very, very oh, good Matt bowling Henry attack. Matt Henry as well. And Matt Henry as well. So you're looking at four, you know, four seamers of different variations. Wagner's going to run in and hit the pitch very, very hard from a short height. Left arm option. Saudi will get the ball to move as he does at will. Yeah, at Lords, he's a very, very cool customer. Is Tim Southey, and a little bit like Glenn McGrath, he loves bowling at the at the home of cricket. Jameson is similar, but obviously in lengths wise, but obviously he's got his height and a bit of extra pace from from Matt Henry, who's done well in English conditions over the course of the last couple of years when he had his stint at Kent. So this will be a formidable bowling attack, but no Trent Bolt. I still think that'll be a a big loss for for the Kiwis and to go on Kian Williamson it's a bit like Joe Root you know he just picks a battle up goes out there and his temperament gets him through the first part of his innings and once he gets through there uh, it's he's uh, he's, a, he's a very very cool calculated customer and he he knows how to construct an innings so England will have to try and hopefully get him early okay and just a reminder the first test between England and New Zealand starts on Thursday with updates across the talk sport network from 10 30 a.m. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and the one and only Steve Harmison. There's more on this week's first test in part three. As we hear from England fast bowler Stuart Broad, you're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine 
and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler, Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, time now to hear from England's Stuart Broad, who's returned to the squad for this week's first Test match. He joined Hawksby and Jacobs over on TalkSport to discuss a new era for English cricket, and he believes it's an exciting time for the Test side. It's so great to have the energy of just forward-facing at the moment. We've got a new coach coming in in Brendan McCullum, who's a really exciting appointment. He's had great success with uh, as a player and building New Zealand cricket and as a coach, and, and Ben Stokes coming in as captain. It's I think it's important for the energy and the mindset of the players now actually to just completely forget what's been involved with COVID bubbles and the the sort of um, the cauldron that you've played under in hotel rooms and not seeing your family to actually this summer, we're playing at Lords on Thursday. Couldn't be more excited. Hopefully there's a great blue sky, a sellout crowd, and we can see our families. We can just live life as normal um, and play the sort of cricket that we want to play in a really positive and aggressive and attacking, attacking manner. So yeah, I mean, it has been tough, but, you know, I'm, to be honest, I'm almost bored of like thinking about that mm. now. I just want to focus on what, um, how much I'm, uh, I enjoy cricket and what I enjoy cricket for and playing cricket. And, um, you know, this summer can, can be exactly that. How much do you expect Ben Stokes' captaincy to differ from Joe Root's, Stuart? Yeah, great question. I think that, that's going to be really hard to tell until we've we've Ben's had a, a, a catalogue of games behind him. Uh, you know, one thing that you do get from Ben is, is he leads by example. You, he, he won't ask you to do anything that he won't do himself. He's, he's someone that um, he's a great leader within the changing room already. And I think Joe will fit back into the changing room really easily. You know, he's, he's been captain for a long period of time and had incredible um, success as captain and uh, outrageous numbers as a batter as captain, particularly in the last two years. Uh, and hopefully he can, he can settle back into the ranks as a player and just continue those numbers he's delivered with the bat because that will help the team. And um, Ben and Brendan McCullough are both very attacking-minded players. We've not met as a whole group uh, with Brendan in the country yet, but I think we've got some meetings on Sunday night or Monday morning about how we're going to go about our business. And I'm really excited to listen to what sort of small changes that the, the mindset tweak will be leading into, into Thursday. You'll also be hoping that the Duke's balls are up to standard because you've been had quite a lot to say about them. And they have had a problem with them, haven't they? It's a theory, Stuart. Have you seen it, Nick Holt, writing about in the Telegraph today that it could be down to the way cows have been grazing, affecting the leather used in the manufacturing process. Blimey, we are getting complicated there, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's that. You know, it's uh, there has been a there has been a, an issue with the Duke's ball at the start of this season, and it's it's one of those that it's 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 just been going quite soft and out of shape, which is which is quite unusual for the Dukes, and um, it just affects the standard of cricket slightly because it, it, you imagine 
the the ball doesn't bounce as much when it's soft and it and it it, it, it means that the the ball won't carry to the slips and it won't carry to the wicket keeper and it just affects the style of cricket you can play slightly so that you know dukes will be under a bit of pressure to get it right for the test match cricket because there's already been a bit of awareness about it in county cricket well, that awareness will treble, quadruple in Test match cricket. So, you know, I'm sure they've got, they've got they've got a lot of history of getting it right, mm. and I'm sure that they'll be able to put the issues they've had at the start of the season that have been quite rightly brought up in county cricket um, to get to get right going into the Test match summer. Because um, you know, it, we as an England team, we owe the mm. the supporters and the crowds a lot of fun this summer, uh, and you know, we do we do need a a ball to stay in shape to be able to to do that. England fast bowler Stuart Broad speaking with Paul Hawksby and, and Andy Jacobs over on, on Talk Sport. Well, as we mentioned in part one, um, he might not even play the test match, which for many, many cricket followers around the world, it's inexplicable that, that, he, that he should not play, um, that he might not play. Let's not waste too much more time on that. But um, surely Ben Stokes, having said immediately on his appointment as captain that he wanted uh, Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad back in the squad. Surely the captain would say, hang on a minute, this is the first test of my, my reign. These are the two, two of England's greatest bowlers ever. I want him playing. Totally agree with that. And I actually think that, that will happen. The more and more I think about it, yeah, there's a lot of people saying, I think George DeBell tweeted, and there's a couple other people saying it's a straight shootout between Overton and... Broad, I'm not as I'm not as so sure now. I know I said that in part one. They'll probably go with Overton from a batting point of view. They might go with them both. They might not play pots. They might go with both Broad, Overton, and Anderson. Covers the uh, covers the um, you know the the sort of frailties in in the, that number eight spot. Craig Overton's got a few runs this season, and then you know, you've got the Broad and Anderson combination, which I think with all the noise and all the hype and all the talk when Rob Key took over and then subsequently when Stokes has had his say and he wants the best team possible to go on a pitch. Having been in Australia and seen the way Brodie's bowled was bowling in Australia, I can't imagine Ben Stokes will not want to go into the first test match with without Stuart Broad. Um and I think it'll take he'll take some convincing for I hope he takes some convincing not to go in. So to, to sort of to go in with Broad. I think I think Broad should be um, one of his first bowlers on the on the list, along with with Anderson. So it's a big call for them to come back after after the, the decision that was made before. And I've got no doubt they'll be chomping at the bit, both of them to to sort of they've got nothing to prove. But to say that you know there's still life in the old dogs yet, and you know fingers crossed from from England's point of view that they both turn up and they perform as well as they have done over many many years, because England are going to need them. I think they're going to really need them to stand up. Uh, in this series because I think this New Zealand side are a very, very fine side. So we'll see what happens on, on Thursday morning. I hope Stuart Broad plays. I hope it's not a straight shootout between Overton and Broad um, because you look at question marks over Bairstow's position, question marks over Broad's position. Them two guys in the last, what, two years have been the ones that everybody seems to question. But them two guys have stood up when it's counted, Brody's getting wickets over in Australia. Johnny got 100 in Australia, 100 in the Caribbean. And it just seems that Johnny Bairstow and Stuart Broad seems to be the ones that when people want to throw sort of, you know, throw stones, they throw them in that direction. 
Okay, prediction time. Uh, my, my only hope is that uh, England fans uh, remember how good this New Zealand team and squad is. Uh, the depth that they have, the quality that they have. It takes it takes decades to establish a, a reputation and it takes just as long to change a reputation. And, you know, um, I just hope that, that people realise this is not a flash-in-the-pan New Zealand team. They're not just a once-in-a-generation team of quality players. They are very, very, very fine cricketers. And, and, I, and I don't think that um, it would be right to consider England as favourites even. I know it's home conditions and, and everything else and everything in their favour, but given world rankings and recent results, I ha- have to say that I think New Zealand are favourites in the series. Yeah, and I, I couldn't really disagree. The, the only thing I would say is that we should be favourites because of the home advantage, the home conditions. We should be favourites against every team that comes and plays in this country. But I think it shows you where... Where we've dropped to in the Red Bull game over the course of the last two years. And I think when people are critical of this England side, and I have been more than anybody else critical of this England side, I think we've got to remember what this England side have done to keep cricket going during the pandemic, making sure that they were available to go and play in all conditions. Yeah, and that's on the field and off the field. It's been a, it's been a tough old two years for this side. So hopefully that the goodwill that they've shown and given to the people around the rest of the world, they get a little bit back when it comes to a little bit of luck. I think sometimes you earn your luck, sometimes you make your luck and sometimes you deserve a little bit. Well, these 12 guys or 11 guys that are going to go and play on the 2nd of June, I hope they get the the luck that they deserve for keeping the the game going. Um, And that could simply be as toss, a simple toss going in your favour overhead conditions because we know what it's going to be like at Lords and hopefully that we're not talking about this England side again batting frailties uh, under this this new regime and if we do then I think there'll be some serious question marks on the, on the selection um, because when Key Rob Key came in when Brendan McCullum came in Ben Stokes it's all positive it's all nice it's all like we normally are in pre-season we're going to go and win everything and then when the games start we come up against an unbelievable side, what New Zealand are. I mentioned the bowling attack before. It's a fantastic bowling attack. Uh, you stick Will Young, who scored runs at the start of the season um, in this country. Mitchell's you know, somebody who, who bats nicely, does Daryl Mitchell, good player. And then you've got Tom Latham's experience in English conditions, led by Kieran Williamson. This is a phenomenal New Zealand side, and they will be hard, hard to beat. Breaking news, Harmy. There's a story in the Daily Telegraph suggesting that, uh, or well, more than suggesting, that ticket sales for the first Test match are spectacularly low and there might be as many as 15,000 empty seats Wow! Um, because of ticket prices. And I don't, I haven't researched because it's breaking as we're doing the show. There's been some activity on social media that I've just seen saying that that tickets are some tickets or, or, or tickets are 170 pounds. Wow. For, for the, for the, so, I mean, Lords could be half empty. Well, if, something going, something's gone wrong. Something's gone wrong there, Manners. I, I must admit, Manners, if they're going to charge 170 pound, I hope nobody goes. I feel so strongly about that. You know, we, we are asking, we are asking pl- people in the current climate that we live in 
to go and pay £170 to watch the England cricket team, who are one win from 17. We're trying to get the Red Bull team to be you know, one of the best in the world. That's why we're bringing in you know, Sir David Brailford, Dan Ashworth, who's just joined Newcastle, by the way, and these people to go in like high-performance reviews to try and make our, our Red Bull team better. And the powers that be, the suits have said, by the way, an average team is going to be charging £170 to watch an average team. Sorry, that's all wrong. It's all wrong. There should be a cap on a price that you can charge to get in. Can you imagine tricking your kids to that? You want a new audience to watch test cricket and you want children to come through the gate. We should be giving tickets away to school kids to come in while they're on holiday to watch international cricket, to try and get them inspired by Ben Stokes, Joe Root, Stuart Broad, Jimmy Anderson, not charging them £170. That's a disgrace. Yeah, well, um, let's hope that it gets sorted because, um, you know, the, uh, the home of cricket does not need to be half empty. Absolutely. And, uh, but, but never mind that. That's not the point at all. You're absolutely right. I mean, you know, we're, we're in a cost of living crisis, mm. not, not just here in England, but, you know, everywhere. And, and that does seem absolutely it's greed i'm sorry it's just greed i know i've just had a rant but and i'm feeling another one coming but it's just <laughs> greed manners it's i'm sorry it's greed I'm, it is it's a disgrace it is an absolute disgrace i feel ashamed that my sport are charging 170 pound to watch deers cricket uh, it is just wrong it is completely wrong it should never happen and somebody's got to do something about it whether it's you know, the government from the regulation point of view to charge and you, know, you you look at a you look at a Premier League football game, yes, it's only ninety minutes. It's only ninety minutes. But you see some of the you know Newcastle, what is it? I think tickets in Newcastle, forty quid, thirty, forty quid. And you have to watch a game. Even though it's only ninety minutes, it's still and you know, cricket's a long day, but I'm sorry, you can't charge people, especially nowadays in the way the world is. I feel I actually feel disappointed and ashamed of my game and my governing body to charge that price, especially if you're going to try and attract new audiences with children. People haven't got the money. Anderson Phillip on his way, right arm over it, down the leg side. It's been helped around by Vikramjit Singh once again. He's got it a little bit finer than the previous one, but it goes for six. Well, sadly, uh, the fun is going to come to an end for Vikramjit Singh. Akhil Hussain has got his man LBW 47 from 45 balls. Moots has swung across the line. Richard Ellingworth sticks the finger up. Fold him, Walsh. Straight through Max O'Dowd. That was the key wicket West Indies were looking for. He did the hard yards there. He must be disappointed. Now there's an inside edge. Oh, it's wide outside the off stump from Kyle Mayers. Attempted slap through the offside from Baz de Lierda. So Philip is in. Edwards hit on the pad. Surely LBW, yes. Richard Ellingworth raises the finger. Here is uh, Alzari Joseph. Oh, and he's got hold of one now. He's backed away outside leg stump and he's holed out to long on. They've had five taken off because of the rain. And after 45 overs, they finished with a highly respectable total of 240 for seven. That's picked up off the toes by Brooks. He's pinged it all the way into the stand, five rows back. There is still a slip in. Kingman goes in and he's done the same again. And this time it will again go all the way to the boundary and over it. Straight away, Hope down the pitch. 
and launches this one back over the bowler's head and over the scaffolding. Brooks 49 not out, waits, carves it into the offside off the off stump and will take a single out to the sweeper. And there is his 50. 50 from 56 deliveries. And Shai Hope simply helps it around the corner and goes to 50. 50 from 68 deliveries. Beacon, corn bowled! Went for the short ball and Brooks has gone to pull it and then hammered it back towards the bowler. Oh, takes him on the pad. That's close. Out first ball, LBW. 120 without loss. It comes 120 for two. Nicholas Puran goes for the sweep, but he's bowled. He's been bowled. There's no doubt about this one. No need to review that. And that's 100. Gets a standing ovation from his teammates. Shihan takes the uh, single that takes him to 100 not out. Oh, my goodness. Brandon King, it's a short ball that's waist high, low chest height, and it's been savagely pulled. Don't you ever try and bowl short to me at that pace, young man? He's timed that very nicely there. Should be able to come back for two, though. And uh, they do. So 50 for Brandon King off just 44 deliveries. That one is driven away off a thick outside edge, down towards the unguarded third man boundary for four. And uh, the West Indies have won by seven wickets. Right, as uh, promised, we'll uh, look back at the first one-day international, which was uh, live here on TalkSport 2 between the Netherlands and uh, the West Indies. And uh, the West Indies were clinical and efficient in dispatching uh, the associate nation by seven wickets on the DLS method, with uh, the Netherlands putting up a very presentable 240 for seven. There was a three-hour rain delay, which resulted uh, in the loss of just five overs per innings. But that was a... A really good score from the Netherlands, but not good enough as Shea Hope finished uh, 119 not out, his 11th one-day international century, and uh, Brandon King 58 not out. The West Indies were 120 without loss, then lost 3 for 13. They were a bit of a wobble. Captain Nicholas Puran uh, went uh, for seven, and, and Krumar Bonner was trapped LBW by Logan van Beek for a duck. Two wickets in two balls, 3 for 13 within a clinical fourth wicket stand of 116 and uh, the West Indies winning with uh, 11 balls to spare. Really important uh, victory for them, Harmy. Um, you know, they're in 10th place at the moment on the World Cup Super League. They've got to try and qualify automatically. They, re they must qualify automatically. They've already had to... Uh, go through a, a secondary uh, qualification to get to the 2015 World Cup. They needed 10 points to, uh, today and they need 30. They need to win this series 3-0 to uh, try and get back into the automatic qualification places. Um, really, really good performance. And I love the fact that the World Cup Super League focuses the mind and, and, uh, and you know, gives material ward, reward to uh, the teams for winning. It does matter, and that's the beauty about this. You know, in the last sort of few tournaments where the pre-qualification, you do not want to be in that. You don't want to be involved in that. So I think it's important that some nations that possibly have got a lot of franchise players, and probably the West Indies is the biggest one if you look at the IPL, having the most, I think, the most overseas players in, in the IPL franchise-wise is, is is from the, the West Indies block. So I think it's so important that they get the best possible team they get and get out in games where they should be winning, i.e. Holland, um, and they go over and, and, and be clinical. And you're right, Shai Hope, 119. I like Brooks. I think Shamra Brooks is a, is a fantastic player. I watched him and I spent a bit of time with him out in Barbados and he's a great character. Um, and, and Brandon King, again, you know, he... he Top of the order in 
you know, the shortest format of the game against against England, but he, he's seen his side home and, and 58 not out. And I think it's so important that they do win this series 3-0. And I think when you mentioned before the 10th in the tenth in the standings, 10th in the log, talking about not having a West Indies at a World Cup, I think that would be unheard of, wouldn't it, Manners? Yeah, it almost happened, though, in 2015. You know, they had to go to Zimbabwe. And so just a reminder to listeners of how the World Cup Super League works. 13 teams, you play four series at home, four away, so you only play um, eight of the other 12 teams. Um, and top seven qualify automatically. India qualify automatically as hosts. The bottom five are then joined by another five associate nations, the likes of Scotland, Namibia, (coughs) Nepal, Papua New Guinea. So another 10 teams, and you've got to get to the final of that secondary qualification tournament in order to make uh, the World Cup. It's fraught with danger, um, and, uh, you know, anything can go wrong, and it very nearly did for the West Indies. So, yeah... um, uh, they 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 need to win this series and then they need to win their remaining two series as well. Just a final word though on two Netherlands batsmen who really shone. Vikram Jit Singh, just 19 years old, opening the batting, made 47 off 45 balls. He looked a real talent. And uh, Teja Nidamanuru uh, finishing unbeaten on 58 from 51 balls. So it was their moment uh, in the spotlight and uh, they certainly shone. Congratulations to those two. We look forward to more cricket uh, from uh, more attacking cricket uh, from the Netherlands. Let's talk about the England One Day squad now, Harmy, which was announced today. They take on the Netherlands uh, in a three-match series. Also live ball-by-ball commentary here on Talksport Two, beginning on June the seventeenth. It's played concurrently while the Test team is playing against New Zealand, so uh, that explains the lab- absence of uh, Joe Root, Ben Stokes, and and uh, and uh, Johnny Bairstow and, and a few others as well from this squad. So, just quickly, it's uh, captained by Owen Morgan, obviously. Moeen Ali, Joss Butler, Bryden Cass, Sam Curran, Liam Livingston, David Milan, David Payne, Adil Rashid, Jason Roy, Phil Salt, Reese Topley, David Willey and Le- Luke Wood. Only two uncapped players in that uh, squad. Luke Wood, the Lancashire seamer, and David Payne, the left-arm seamer from Gloucestershire. Yeah, it's an interesting squad. Um, it's an exciting squad, I think. Um, I look at this and things that stand out to me. You mentioned the two uncapped players. I, I really hope, man, is that David Payne gets a game. Uh, I've seen him close up on the field in the Caribbean during the T20s. And what well, a lovely lad. We've had him on the Critical Collective, a friend of ours, and speaks very, very well. He, he sounded it when he was on the field in, in the Caribbean as though he, he just he just loved you know, the chance of being close and connection to, to playing for England. And I hope he gets a game um, because, you know, he's a, he's a good man and somebody who has worked so hard to get himself in in a in position to play from a, an England record, you know, and not a fashionable county, no disrespect to, to Gloucester. I think Luke Wood is a fine bowler. I actually think that the England Test boys might be having a look at him as well because I think uh, the longer format of the game, a left-arm seamer, um, might be something that could benefit the England, uh, the Red Bull team. I'm pleased they've only took 14 with a view that the blasts going on at the same time. Short series. I know they want to concentrate and make sure that they have, they've, they've got enough cover to go over there and win in in Holland. But I think having six people high visits on carrying drinks is for me is should be a thing of the past now we have moving away from the sort of covid restrictions that's coming five left arm seamers that's interesting is it a case of right we won a left arm seamer in the world cup 
U5 are the best we've got. It's a straight shootout. And at the minute, I look at Reese Topley is probably in pole position. Sam Curran is different because obviously the all-round qualities that Sam possesses and brings, he comes into question with with David Willey. Um, no place for quite a few eyebrows raised. Sam Billens was probably the biggest one. They've gone for David Mil- David Milan over probably James Vince from an experience point of view. And I don't think James Vince, I think if Vince had been in there, I don't think anybody would have complained after what he did last year um, at the Aegeus Bowl, I think it was. Um, he got 100 um, in a 50-over game. Um, ben Duckett, Tom Banton, Joe Clark, these names were all mentioned, but um, it excites me. And some, some good players in there. And if you think... You're probably batting lineup of Roy Salt, Milan, Butler, Livingston, Morgan, Ali. England are going over there to win. Um, and so they should do and get Matthew Motts ran off to a good start. Indeed, it's uh, it's a very strong team, but then uh, you know we we expected it to be. There's nothing wrong. <laughs> nothing wrong with England's white ball depth, is there? None whatsoever. None whatsoever. And I think we're in for I think we're in for a fascinating series. We've seen glimpses of uh, of the Netherlands against the West Indies today, and hopefully they'll get some confidence in the next two games um, if they can perform well, and then they'll go up against you know, one of the powerhouses if. Yeah, you know, if not in with ball, definitely with bat. Um, I'm looking forward. I'm pleased to see Bryden Cast back in the reckoning again because I look at that first Test match squad. Seeing Matty Potts has done brilliantly for Durham, got himself in a position to go and stake his claim for England. Um, I thought that might have been Bryden Cast at the start of the summer, but he got an injury and he didn't, and he's just managed to get himself fit recently. So I'm I'm intrigued to see how the only right arm seamer. That's got to be a first. It's got to be a first. England have picked a squad of 14 or 15 men with one right arm seamer. Um, it's I'm not saying it's madness um, because I, I think they've picked a, a good bowling unit, a good attack here um, with variation in in difference of left arm, tall, bit of pace, skittiness. Um, and I think they've got some skill skill sets in there between all five of the left arm seamers. Um, and then you've got the experienced two wily old campaigners who are potentially be coming out of retirement in Rashid and Ali to do this the spin bowling from it. So I think it's an exciting squad and, and um, that's going to be a joy to commentate again on England on TalkSport 2. OK, Harmi, it's uh, lucky dip time. Um, you've got a you've got a two out of four because time's against us or you can have a grab at all four. Gary Kirsten and uh, Ashish Neera, um leading the Gujarat Titans to... Um, their maiden IPL title in their debut season, of course. And let's not forget that Vikram Solanke left Surrey uh, to become director of cricket at the Gujarat Titans, this brand new franchise, and they've they've only won it. Um, the IPL launching a women's very small, very tiny women's version, which they refuse to call the IPL because they're so precious about uh, the reputation of the IPL. Uh, anyway, that finished with uh, the Supernovas winning uh, that competition. It just, se- to my mind, it just seems like an afterthought, and, I, and I'm not comfortable with that. Sussex made their fifth T20 Blast signing as the excellent Obed McCoy uh, has joined them. Um, I, I think he's a he's got the best slower ball collection of variations uh, I can recall in recent times. And how about Chris Silverwood uh, winning his first series? 
uh, for Sri Lanka as head coach against Bangladesh, and, I, and it was a, a cracking series as well. So there, four four little apples for you to take a bite of. Yeah, it's great to see so Chris Silverwood. You know, get everything going with Sri Lanka. He spoke. I thought he spoke brilliantly the other day when he talked about how much he wants Brendan McCullum in England to succeed. Typical Chris Silverwood. He's a he's a very very fine man, um, and it's good to see he getting his his game over. I 100% agree with you on the IPL, the women's IPL. Um, it did seem like an afterthought, and I hope, I hope it's it's not because you know the women's game's gone so far in a short space of time to be disrespected. Like that, I think that would be that would be that would be really really hard on on the women's game. I like Obed McCoy. What a bowler he is! And again, Sussex have gone financially heavy on white ball game rather than obviously with the the red ball players. And Obed McCoy, we've seen you know glimpses um, in. I think I seen him on the field a couple of times in in the Caribbean, um, but he didn't play in the uh, the T20s. Um, but he was excellent for Rajasthan throughout that uh, that IPL. And yes, our old mate Gary Kirsten off to a, a fantastic start. Vikram taking the Surrey mentality of winning mentality over to the IPL with Gujarat. And I'm pleased for Vikram because he's another another fine gentleman. And and Gary Kirsten didn't get the England job, but showed what an unbelievable coach he is by winning the IPL with a new franchise at their first first attempt. So I'm sure he'd be not only over the moon, he'd be, be looking to go back without any England talk and defend his title next year. And a reminder, you can hear live ball-by-ball commentary of the second ODI between the Netherlands and the West Indies here on TalkSport 2. On Thursday morning, we'll be on air at 9.30am ahead of the 10am start. You've been listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winner, Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back at the same time next week to look back at the first test between England and New Zealand. But for now, this has been The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. <laughs> 